right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Mosh Talk podcast. My name is Carl, and I am your host. We have a lot of news to cover, uh, not so many reviews, and I'll touch on that a little later, but not a lot of uh, albums came out this week that I'm interested in, a couple singles, but we'll touch on that later. We've got quite a bit of news to get into here. The big topic this week, the first of many big topics this week, um, is this scandal involving Morgan Rutledge the former vocalist of now the defunct Atlanta hardcore band Revenge Season. And I want to preface this by saying that uh, I'm aware of Revenge Season insofar as I've listened to their music and I'm kind of familiar with them. I have friends who were kind of familiar with them, but I, you know, I don't have, I'm not invested in this band. I don't really care. Um, I, I don't really care that they've broken up at least. So take my comments on their music at least with a grain of salt. But I did want to touch on this issue. If you're unfamiliar, this is kind of old news by now, but I still think it's relevant to talk about because it kind of touches on a larger issue in hardcore. If you're unfamiliar, Morgan Rutledge, the vocalist of this band Revenge Season, uh, came under fire this past week because uh, she, in a group text uh, for the members of Revenge Season used the N-word on multiple occasions, and um, the screenshots were posted by an ex-member of the band who is calling her out for using the racist language. So this, first of all, you know, just to give my uh, two cents on this, first of all, this is fucking stupid, obviously. What she said was stupid, and it should go without saying that this is stupid. Um, but I do want to say that my opinion on this is kind of not really important, and I say that because, number one, again, not really invested in this band. I'm only looking at this as an outsider who doesn't have any investment. I don't know the members personally. I don't know Morgan personally. But, number two... As a white person, my opinion on this doesn't really matter. Of course, I'm going to stand here and say that this is stupid and a dumb thing that she said, and she's rightfully being called out for it. Her responses to this have been absolutely dreadful. At one point, she came out and tried to say that uh, Jeff from Bloodbather, who is black, took her phone and said this stuff in the group chat, and Jeff went on Twitter and said, that is totally false and stupid, and I won't be a pawn for her, you know, so her responses to this have been terrible, just, like, the absolute worst way that a human being could handle this. Uh, again, I don't know the members of this band personally, so I can't speak you know, I, I can't say this with the utmost confidence, but I don't think the members of the band are capital R racists. I don't know if Morgan is a capital R racist, but this kind of touches on a pretty uh, large issue or an unspoken or relatively unspoken issue in hardcore. And that is the fact that a lot of hardcore bands are comprised of mostly white members, mostly male members. Now, Morgan is female, and so that kind of, you know, adds a different layer to this, that she's a, a female vocalist for a hardcore band, but she's still white, and, you know, it's a whole mess. I'm trying to get all my thoughts out here. Uh, I know it's not really a cohesive 
rambling that I'm going on right now, but I just want to get out all my thoughts on this. This is very silly that, you know, all of her responses to this are very silly, but again, it, it brings to the forefront this issue of hardcore, which is this very anti-bigotry, anti-racism, at least historically, uh, very anti-this behavior genre, uh, and it kind of makes it even more glaring that there are so many bands comprised of white members and male members, and it makes it even more imperative that we support bands with... Um, people of color in them like Bloodbather and Jesus Peace and Keonashi. Great bands. You know, obviously I'm not saying that you should listen to a band solely because they have a minority member or you shouldn't listen to a band because they're only white people. You know, again, I'm just trying to get all my thoughts out on this, but people smarter than me, people more, um, people more, you know, People in a better position than I am have said this better than I can. I've seen a lot of um, people of color on Twitter condemn this, but they're also kind of looking at this the, the same way where they're like, hey, this is silly and stupid, but like, you know, it's kind of glaring that there are so many white folks in hardcore bands and it makes you wonder, you know, why aren't there more people of color in hardcore, either going to shows or in the bands, you know, it's it's kind of glaring, and it this definitely doesn't help. So again, take my rambling with a grain of salt because I'm not at all invested in this band. I don't know them personally. I know this is stupid. I know I'm glad that they got kicked off of their label. I'm glad that they got kicked off of their tour with Old Wounds, and I'm glad that they broke up because, frankly, this is a very glaring stain, and it's also pretty glaring that none of the other members mentioned anything about this until these screenshots were posted. Does that say something about the members of the band? I don't know. I just wanted to touch on this and kind of continue the dialogue because the dialogue died down really quickly. It seemed like this was a story for like a day and a half and then it went away. You know, I've seen a lot of people touch on call out culture and I don't buy into that. I think she's justifiably being called out. Um, I think, you know, this whole thing is very stupid. It's it's a glaring problem in hardcore, and I think this kind of exacerbates it because they were a pretty popular band. They were fairly popular in the underground of hardcore bands, and this is kind of a stain on the hardcore scene for the moment, at least. You know, obviously, a lot of people have come, come out and condemned this. Basically, every single person that I've seen has come out and condemned this. So, you know, moving forward, how is this issue going to be addressed how does hardcore move on from this? It's. I just wanted to continue the dialogue because I think it's important that we talk about it and we understand this from a objective perspective. So nice little conjunction junction rhyme to end that story. Uh, the second big news piece this week was the allegation that came out about CU Space Cowboys former bass player Andrew Millam. Uh, Andrew uses gender-neutral pronouns, so I'm going to use them as best I can in this news story. I apologize in advance if I say he by accident, but I'm trying to do this and read this all very quickly. Uh, I'm not going to read Andrew's statement, 
All I'm going to do is just mention that earlier in the week, Andrew was accused of rape by a woman whose name I can tell you in one second because I want to make sure that I get it right. Uh, Stephanie Cook is the name of the accuser. Stephanie accused Andrew of having sexually assaulted her in 2014 and again in 2016. CU Space Cowboy very swiftly responded by kicking Andrew out of the band. Andrew has released a statement as of uh, February 13th. So I'm not going to read the statement, but this is another issue in hardcore especially um kind of more in the diy screamo kind of scene and i come from the philadelphia suburbs so i had a lot of friends who listened to a lot of philly diy bands and i was kind of into some of those bands um and it's kind of a pretty big problem in that scene in that diy post-punk um whatever genre you want to call it scene where a lot of band members are being outed as sexual assaulters and um the the number one band that i can think of was a band i used to listen to a few years ago uh called panucci's pizza and they had their singer matt after the band broke up went on to form a solo project or i guess do a solo project called little tyrant and some accusations came out about matt that they were um like a rapist and had raped or sexually assaulted a lot of people and so that was where i first got wind of this and that was a few years ago and it's just crazy because it feels like every week there's a new philly diy band member or some bass player of some band or it's like in the DIY scene in hardcore in metalcore it's crazy how often these accusations come out and that's not me saying that it's crazy that the accusations come out it's me saying that uh the victims feel so empowered by this me too movement it's unbelievable to see how many victims there are and how many people have to suffer through this and of course, I don't want to say that every single um, every single accusation is true, but I also don't want to say that I don't believe the accusers because in the vast majority, the vast majority of these cases, the accusers are not lying. They're not making this up. No one would ever want to put themselves through this to, you know, gain the quote-unquote 15 minutes of fame. That's a stupid argument that I've seen. And it all comes back to this CU Space Cowboy thing because uh, the members of CU Space Cowboy were in a band called Flowers Taped to Pens, and I found out about Flowers Taped to Pens because of this now-defunct record label called Driftwood Records, and I paid a lot of money to Driftwood Records for releases over the years, and their founder was also outed as a rapist, and it's crazy because it makes me think, like, how many people, how many members of bands that I love do I not know about, um being rapists or sexual assaulters this is a difficult thing to touch on and you know this is another big issue in hardcore it's just the very macho tough guy nature of hardcore and yet see you space cowboy is like one of the most progressive bands 
around. You know, Connie, their singer, is trans, and and Flowers Tape Depends was a very openly um, inclusive band. And so this sucks that, you know, CU Space Cowboy has had to deal with this. I'm glad that Andrew was kicked out. I'm glad that they did so swiftly and they didn't, you know, indulge in the drama in their statement. They just said Andrew's not in the band anymore and they moved on from it. You know, that I think was the the right choice. And, you know, if I, if I kind of sound like I'm struggling to put together my thoughts on this for these first two stories, it's because I can't really prep to talk about these things. I can't really prep to talk about um, these horrible things that people are saying and doing, but they're relevant to the scene, and I think it's important to have a dialogue on them, and I think it's important to understand that not every not every band is, you know, perfect and i'm not saying that a lot of band members are rapists that we just don't know about or they're racists or anything like that and i don't want to blame hardcore and i don't want to like i don't want to pin this on anything other than the individuals responsible for doing horrible things but for the sake of moving the discussion forward it you know frankly it makes me angry it makes me angry to have to talk about these things because these things shouldn't happen not just in hardcore not just in music but in the world in general and we saw the whirlwind um that happened with the me too movement that a lot of victims felt empowered to name and shame their abusers and that's really uh that that's great you know i think victims not just not just female victims but all victims feeling empowered to come out and say hey this person took advantage of me they're in a band or they're in a position of power um i think people deserve to know about that 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 takes a lot of courage and i commend those victims that you know can you know make those statements and out their accuser or out their abusers rather and you know i also want to like kind of say that the, the victims who haven't come out, who are afraid to come out, you know, I, I'm sorry that you can't come out. And I'm sorry that our society is structured in such a way that a lot of horrible people are in positions of power and that, you know, society, at least some factions of society have chosen to blame victims instead of blaming abusers. And you know, it, it, again, it's it's difficult to talk about. It's difficult to talk about this in a way that I feel like isn't patronizing and also get all my thoughts out without sounding like I'm rambling and just throwing this together. But this is extraordinarily difficult. It, it's a multifaceted issue. It's a long-standing issue in alternative music and in the world in general. Um, there's a lot more to be said. There's a lot more to be done. Uh, I'm really upset that this probably won't be the last time that I have to talk about um, a band member being kicked out of a band or being accused of something. It's horrible. Far too many times in the last year or in the last couple of years, these stories have come out. It's it's a shame that so many um, so many people like this exist in the world and do these horrible things to take advantage of other people. So stepping off of my soapbox. I just wanted to talk about those things, 
Um, you know, I don't want to put a damper on the show. I know I've spent enough time talking about this over 16 minutes now. So that's all I have to say about that. Um, I want to get into the rest of the news from the week, the less, the less, I guess, depressing news in, that came out this week. Uh, the big piece of news, the brand new tour that was announced Coheed and Cambria, Mastodon, Every Time I Die, the Summer Tour, Mastodon will be playing uh, Crack the Sky in full on the tour. This tour begins May 28th in Louisville, Kentucky, and runs all the way until July 3rd in Irving, California. This is a massive tour. Um, a lot of big venues on this tour, a lot of pavilions, lots of uh, just glancing at the John the uh, tour dates and the the venues um, lots of theaters and massive venues so this is going to be a pretty big ass tour coming out pretty soon um, or starting in a couple months I don't know why I said coming out pretty soon uh, so this is this is a big tour this is huge obviously I'm most drawn to this tour because Coheed and Cambria and every time I die on the same tour is massive uh, I've never been a huge Mastodon fan but Crack the Sky definitely was an album that was influential to me when I was a little younger um, so this is a freaking great tour uh, I'm very excited. I'm just glossing over this uh, this article from Loudwire trying to get all the dates and the information absorbed so I can regurgitate them to you. But that is a very big tour for Coheed and Cambria, Mastodon, and Every Time I Die beginning in May. Uh, I'm definitely going to be checking that out in Camden, New Jersey if I can get out there because that is quite a ride from my apartment, but it's a great tour. So uh, the other big tour news this week is this tour featuring Oh Sleeper, The Agony Scene, and the band Earthgroans. Uh, this is a little bit of a smaller tour, kind of a Midwest-centered tour. It begins April 13th, which is two months from the day that I'm recording this, uh, in Austin, Texas, and runs until May 4th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So they're hitting mostly um, Midwestern and West Coast cities, Texas, California, Utah, um, Colorado, Florida. And so, you know, kind of, kind of a, a smaller tour, not really hitting the East Coast, so I can't catch it. A little bummed out about that, but if you're in one of those areas and can catch that tour, definitely recommend you check out uh, the band Earthgroans. They are signed to Solid State Records, and they are very, very good. Those riffs and those vocals are very good. Um, anticipating some new music from Earthgroans, hopefully this year, because they put out that EP last year that I liked quite a bit. Speaking of new music and EPs, the band Volumes has been rather quiet for quite a while. Uh, their guitarist, I believe, Rod Sudani, posted on Twitter that the band will be putting out a new EP soon. He says in this tweet, quote, after what seems like forever, Volume's new EP will be fully mixed, mastered by Sunday and have a release and a, f a few weeks after that. Thanks for being patient, all the V-Team. 
Def already started writing for album four that we want to get out by the end of 2019. So this is a couple chunks of new news from the band Volumes that they have this EP done and it's going to be mixed and mastered by this Sunday and it should be coming out a few weeks after that. So maybe like late March, uh, early April, maybe later in April. And they're also shooting to put out a full length album by the end of this year. So that would be quite a year for the band volumes. They've been a little quiet since the release of their album that came out a few years ago, whose title is slipping my name. I can, Oh, different animals is the title of the album came out a couple years ago it was their first album with mike terry and uh that album you know came out two years ago i when that album was being promoted and when feels good came out as the lead single um i wasn't (laughs) admittedly i wasn't that into it um i've never been a huge volumes fan i love the song wormholes i love their album no sleep uh but when different animals came out at first i was very lukewarm to it and then i ended up listening to it quite a bit throughout the year um it was definitely a different sound for them a little poppier a little more uh in the kind of new metal kind of sound the choruses were big but it was overall a pretty solid album so excited to hear new stuff from volumes I'm guessing it's going to sound kind of like different animals. It's going to be kind of poppy with some of those heavier guitar riffs, but I think they have moved past the full-on gent, heavy, um, crushing progressive metalcore that they employed on No Sleep and Via. So that is uh, new news from Volumes, and that is all the news that I have on the ledger for today so next i want to get into some reviews starting off with the new track from of mice and men which is called how to survive this one came out on valentine's day this was a surprise new track from of mice and men they did put out that lp last year called defy i was not a fan of that lp so i was a bit skeptical going into this track i think i know what to expect from this band and I will say I was pretty excited to hear what they brought to the table on this uh, new song called How to Survive. Uh, Not sure if it's just a standalone track or if they're going to be putting out new material this year. Uh, Again, you know, when when this band has kind of uh, locked in their sound, which they've drifted away from their metalcore roots and kind of gotten into the more metal side of things and then they put out this song which is very heavy very metalcore inspired it features some uh heavy powerful guitars some thumping bass some really prominent kick drums high in the mix it's it's all very uh it was a big onslaught of sounds to hear from this band that i wasn't really used to hearing they went more for a radio rock um kind of very standard mainstream metal sound on their last two records. Yeah, there's a couple songs here and there that kind of lean more towards metalcore than you would hear from a metal band, but this was interesting. This new track was interesting. It was heavy, like I said. It was pretty out of left field. Um, 
you know, I, I like this song a lot, and I want to heap the praises on this song, but I will say that I heap praise with reservations, because if there is an album coming, or an EP, or whatever coming, um, I won't get my hopes up too high about this band continuing along this road, and kind of keeping this sound on, on the, um on the menu, so to speak. So while I do have my reservations about, you know, hyping up this band for a new release, I am pleasantly surprised. I'm cautiously optimistic for new music. I don't think they'll deliver much more in the metalcore or metalcore-esque department. Uh, I will say the other thing about this song is it feels like it could have ended about a minute earlier. Um, There's a guitar solo at the end and then you know, just some riffing into the outro, but, you know, artistically, I understand why they would put a guitar solo in there to kind of keep that metal type of influence alive, but it just felt unnecessary. It felt like the song could have been shorter and it would have packed a bigger punch. The guitar solo just kind of felt out of place, but that's my only real complaint about the song. I think it's great. I think vocally hearing Aaron go full force on those screamed vocals, there are no sung vocals on this track. Very interesting to hear. Cautiously optimistic, like I said, for any new of Mice and Men. Uh, Moving on from there is the surprise new track from Alexis on Fire, which is called Familiar Drugs. It was heavily speculated, and I know I reported on it um, earlier, but I want to talk about it because, you know, while it was speculated and while a lot of people figured out that it was a new song and not just a, you know, new B-side from 10 years ago, um, this, this track I will say is interesting. It's very dark. It's brooding. Um, it's another track that I feel like goes on too long. Like the last minute of the song could have been cut and the song probably would have been better for it. Um, as much as I, as much as I am happy to hear new Alexis on fire, them kind of balking at this and kind of, releasing the song and saying, well, we don't know if we're going to make an album or an EP. We're taking it one step at a time and we're playing some shows here and there feels a little dishonest. So while I do like this track, while I think, you know, I'll expand on my thoughts a little more, I just want to say, I don't know how I feel about this band being very cavalier about releasing new music because they haven't put out an album in so long. It's been like, what, seven, eight years now since their last LP. Uh, They've been playing some shows intermittently for the past couple of years, and they were saying the whole time, we don't know, we're probably not going to make any more music, we might make some here and there. It's just kind of, um, it's it's a little too much of a cavalier attitude to kind of tease fans that way. But I am appreciative of this new track and I do enjoy it quite a bit like I said very heavy very um dark the bass is very powerful in the mix it it's it's very you know cutting edge kind of um instrumentation here it's very dark uh the vocals you know I've always been kind of more of a Uh, City and Color fan when it comes to Dallas Green's vocals, but I will say to hear him on 
this track kind of feels, you know, uh, I don't know how to feel about it. You know, it, Dallas has a great voice, and while I am a huge Alexis on Fire fan, like I said, I think his vocal style fits a little better in a project like City and Color. So, you know, uh, George, their their screamer or screamed vocalist, whatever, his vocals are much more prominent. They're very raspy. They're very, um, you know, in your face. It feels like Dallas is very casually thrown in the mix, like he doesn't really belong there. So that kind of bothers me a little bit. But everything else here is really tight. I think the song is a little repetitive, but I like hearing that very dark, heavy instrumentation from this band it makes me wonder if they were to do a new album what that album would sound like would it be more like this song would it be you know more like a uh you know older album of theirs because this is kind of a drastic departure from some of their older stuff yeah they were heavy in their own right but i still feel like um this is a big step forward for them instrumentally and vocally i just want them to utilize dallas a little better because on you know those classic alexis on fire albums you know my personal favorite is crisis i love old crows young cardinals i, I love all their work but on those albums dallas's vocals are more carefully utilized and kind of fit the flow of the songs a little better. It just kind of feels like he's thrown in here. So it'll be curious to see what Alexis on Fire does moving forward. Again, big fan of this track. It does run a little long for me. It does feel a little, um, a little bit too much like a tease. Not sure what to expect from the band moving forward. Uh, but those are my thoughts on the new Alexis on Fire track, Familiar Drugs. And then moving on from there is my last single that I'm going to review, the last song that I'm going to review, and that is the new Law Dispute song, Road Night and Grief. Uh, this is a very standard Law Dispute song as far as mood and vocals go. I am impressed with their decision to add in some horns in the mix gives it a little bit more of a jazzy feel it's very laid back it reminds me a lot of the song woman reading from their uh rooms of the houses the rooms of the house lp so i like the atmosphere i like the mood but it's kind of a low-key song i think the band has kind of moved away from those kind of upbeat very aggressive post-hardcore songs, and I think they're moving more in the direction of these types of slower, uh, more low-key, more um, stripped-down songs. And that's not a problem, it's just not really the type of thing that I like from them. I prefer their more aggressive, loud, in-your-face songs, and the singles from this LP so far have been pretty relaxed and... Uh, you know, minimalist as far as instrumentation goes. The vocals are a lot more mellow. So while that is, you know, a th it's not unlike anything they've ever done before. It's just, I wonder what the whole album is going to be like if it's filled with songs like this one where they're very dialed back, mellow. You know, the, the lyrics are still there and the vocals are kind of low in the mix, so you have to pay attention to the vocals a little more to get the full message. But, you know, La Dispute's a very poetic band. 
Um, there's plenty of meaning to derive from their lyrics. So uh, if, th if this is your type of thing, if this is the Law Dispute that you like, I think this is a great track to kind of encapsulate that side of their sound. It is, like I said, a good step forward with those horns and the very lush instrumentation, but I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's it's a decent song. It's the singles have all been decent. Nothing has really blown me away. So I'm approaching their new album, uh, which comes out next month, with a bit of cautious optimism. Um, but those are my thoughts on the major songs that came out this week. I've been waffling back and forth on if I want to include this album review, um, but I'm gonna, I, I'm deciding to do it, I'm gonna do it, it is the new Crystal Lake album, Helix, uh, full disclosure, I did include this on my albums of 2018 list, because technically it came out in Japan last year, and I was able to hear it last year, so, um, it won't be on my end of the year list this year, when we get there, but I want to review it because obviously the podcast did not exist when this album came out in 2018. Also, it just got officially released in North America this past Friday, February 15th. So Crystal Lake should probably not need an introduction, um, but they are this wonderful Japanese metalcore band, very boundary-pushing band known for including these wild, you know, <laughs> array of influences. I've heard some more hardcore-inspired stuff, uh, some more deathcore-inspired stuff. They do not shy away from using the full scope of influences and sounds, almost to their detriment at some points, because it feels like the songs and the albums, while the individual tracks are great, the albums don't really have a clear-cut identity, so that sometimes works to their detriment. Um, as for some glossary, some, you know, overview notes for this new LP, um, when I listened to this LP, first of all, the thing that drew me in, of course, was the lead single, Aeon, which is probably one of the most insane metalcore songs I have ever heard, one of the craziest songs that came out last year for sure. When I first heard it, I and many others were blown away. This track is insane. Um, the vocals are just like mind blowing. Like it's insane to hear um, their vocalists just take all these different approaches with the gutturals and the high screams and just pull them off so well. The range in his vocals are unbelievable. The instrumentation is insane crazy the drums are pounding these blast beats dominate the track uh you know there's some more varied sections in the song there's some deathcore sections there's some hardcore two-step sections very interesting array of influences on this track loved that track quite a bit i think what kind of gets me moving on into the track listing though is that they kind of switch between being like a metalcore band and a hardcore band and a deathcore band and a melodic hardcore band. Um, 
you know, the, this next song, Agony, that shows up is a bit more melodic, doesn't really grab me quite as much as Aeon does. It's a solid track. It's it's a good melodic track with, uh, you know, a pretty memorable chorus, but just not really <laughs> juxtaposed with the previous track, doesn't really keep my attention as much. Um Moving on from there, you know, there's a couple more um, melodic tracks. The song Lost in Forever, uh, the song Outgrow, you know, very, you know, standard melodic hardcore songs. They're they're good. The, these these tracks are good. Um, the song Lost in Forever, particular, particularly, sorry, um, is melodic, but it does incorporate a pretty great breakdown. Uh, Dan and Tyler from Gideon are on this track. So it's interesting when they incorporate those melodic sections and still make room for those heavy breakdowns that they are so good at writing. They, they write these really amazing breakdowns, really memorable, powerful breakdowns. Um, as for the song Outgrow, though, wasn't a huge fan of that track. Uh, the rapped kind of spoken word vocals in the verses don't really work for me. Um, a lot of these tracks, you know, are, are good. They're good tracks, but there's just individual elements of them that kind of, uh, kind of work to the detriment of the songs, like the song Hail to the Fire. Um, you know, it's a big, heavy kind of, you know, metalcore mosh anthem. Uh, in my note here, I wrote, it, it's like an Attila track minus all the homophobia. Um, but it's, it's still very gimmicky. It's still kind of corny. You know, there's these, um, like, ooh, ooh, vocals that show up, like these kind of grunts. Uh, I wrote that it reminds me of the shark bait, ooh, ah, ah, from Finding Nemo. Um, you know, it, the the tough thing about this band is that they just they write these really great memorable songs whether they're heavy songs or melodic songs and then the the next song doesn't really mesh well with the style like going from Aeon to Agony it's like they don't really mesh well together or going from uh, a song like you know, Hail to the Fire, which is heavy, to the song Devil Cry, which is more emotional and melodic and kind of um, serious. And then going into, and I want, I need to make an aside here about this song, but going from Hail to the Fire to Devil Cry to this song, Just Confusing, I have to talk about this song. I have to, um, I have to dedicate a little bit of time to talking about this track because... I seriously think this might be the worst song I have ever heard in metalcore. It is way worse than any Attila song I've ever heard. And it just, it's terrible. Like it's, it's, it, I, I asked in my note, I wrote, is this supposed to be a parody of Trap? Because it's just so hard to believe that they're, you know, releasing this song not as a joke. The lyrics are downright cringeworthy. Um, completely, completely terrible track. Waste of a song in the track listing here. Uh, to go from a song like Devil Cry, which is very emotional, very powerful, to this song Just Confusing, which is aptly titled because it is very confusing to hear this track. It's just so bad. It, it like... 
genuinely the worst song this band has ever written. Uh, probably the worst metalcore song I've ever heard. The worst song I've ever heard on a metalcore album. Just completely unnecessary to have them do this track. Even if it's a joke, even if it's a parody, unnecessary, didn't like it at all. Um, but the rest of the album from there, uh, the last two songs, Apollo and Sanctuary, have these very melodic, great instrumentation. Um, I did write that the vocals on the song Apollo remind me a lot of Sam Carter from Architects. Um, and that that's true of a lot of the songs on this LP where when the melodic sections kick in and the sort of more melodic metalcore versus melodic hardcore sections show up, the vocals are more reminiscent of something you'd hear from Sam Carter. So those are my kind of scattered thoughts about the new Crystal Lake album. Overall, it's a good album. I think most of these tracks are a cut above most metalcore songs that you'll hear, most metalcore bands you'll hear. The bass is pretty prominent, which is nice to hear on this LP. There's a lot of great melodic sections, a lot of great breakdowns, a lot of great heavy sections, and yet I can't not talk about Just Confusing and blame them for making a song like Just Confusing and kind of... Um, kind of scrutinize them for it. The album as a whole suffers for the inclusion of that song. It didn't belong. Uh, I don't know if it was a joke. I don't really care. Honestly, it's unforgivable. Um, so while I would probably have liked this album a lot more were that song not on it, this album is still solid. I gave it an 8 out of 10. That was probably being a little generous. Um, the one thing that I will say about this band is like I said, their albums lack identity a lot of times. So, you know, I I still feel that that is the case on this album where the overall product is kind of without a, a linear identity. There's no unifying theme. There's no unifying instrumental theme. It just kind of all the songs are kind of there uh you could rearrange them in any order and still kind of take away the same the same you know uh message as the track listing as is so while i think that there are mostly good songs on this album i am bugged by the fact that they just they waste time sometimes they kind of don't really keep to one unifying theme um, yeah, like I said, 8 out of 10, that's probably pretty generous. Um, I'm waiting for this band to make their, their record, their claim to fame record, because they've written a lot of really great songs, but they've never written a record that I would consider to be a metalcore classic. So, hopefully they're able to rectify some of those, um some of those shortcomings by the time they make their next album. But those are my thoughts on the new Crystal Lake album, Helix. And that actually wraps up the show for today. By the time you're listening to this, um, it will be out a little later. I had some family stuff to attend to this weekend, so the podcast is out a little later. I'm going to try to get one out this coming Saturday, so stay tuned. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, be sure to check out next week. Share this with your friends. Download it on Podbean and Spotify and stuff like that. Whatever you want to do, 
uh, just ha- just have fun doing it. I, I'm not great at doing these outros, but thank you for listening. I appreciate it. See you next time. Farewell.